Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I am with Nate Weiss, who is the VP of Wine Growing at Silver Oak and Toomey Cellars, and he is my guest today for our very special edition for Father's Day. Nate, it is absolutely fantastic to be seen down with you today. It's great to be here with you. Thank you for the invitation. I feel honored to be on a, a podcast about women for, for Father's Day. Yeah, well, you're a fantastic father. You have a fantastic father. So I want to talk about that briefly. Your father's a winemaker. You're a winemaker. Who makes the best wine? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, some of my favorite memories are, are tasting wines with my dad. In fact, when I was interviewing for the job here at Silver Oak, one of the interviews was all about tasting. So there were a number of, of interviews in which we would sit down and taste wine with the, the owners and, and my uh, hopefully supervisor here. And I felt like I, was, I really wanted the job. I was a little nervous. And so I asked my father to come over uh, and if we could sit down and, and taste a few wines and just talk about them so I could get that part of my brain really moving again. I think he would, in his style, kind of his humility, he'd probably say that I make the best wines. But I think uh, over his career, he made some really fantastic ones. And we've even, we've gone back at times and I buy some of the wines he made back in the 80s at auction and... We sit down and taste those, and, and uh, they have to say they're pretty darn good. So you don't have, like, family taste-offs or anything? <laughs> you know, he's he's so complimentary. He's such a – he's very proud of me, and I think uh, he's probably overly complimentary sometimes when we sit down and taste wines that I've made, and, and uh, maybe he has the rose-colored glasses on and doesn't see the, the downside of them. Other than winemaking, what other memories do you have uh, with your father? That you cherish. I remember uh, as a kid uh, growing up playing a lot of catch with him. Uh, I, actually, I can I can visualize his old baseball glove, which is kind of one of those um, one of those older styles that goes back to probably the '60s or the '70s, oh, and, wow. and very different than a current glove. But we used to love to play baseball together. Uh, and in fact, I I'm left-handed, but I I uh, bat right-handed. Oh. And I'm pretty sure that's because when I was a kid, he didn't know I was left-handed and, and sort of taught me to bat right-handed. So um, he helped me be very ambidextrous. You're just amazing. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know about that. So nobody can catch you off guard, right? No, no. And actually, I, now that I'm thinking about it, I remember I was playing first base. I, I was left-handed, so I could only play first base in the infield. And when... I was really young. I would have him come out with me into the street. And part of playing first base is you have to dig a lot of balls out of the dirt, bad throws from other parts of the infield. And he would just uh, basically sit there and wing balls at me in the dirt, and they would bounce off my legs and my chest. But I, I got to be pretty good at it, actually. Oh, my. Well, that sounds like you may have hurt yourself a little bit, too. Well, you <laughs> but know, good memories. No pain, no gain, I'd say. Right. Are there sports, winemaking, or is there maybe a trip 
that had great meaning that you and your father went on? I remember one when I was, uh, I was probably maybe 13, 14. So he's a UC Santa Barbara grad and it was kind of time to start thinking about college. And I think he might've had an event to go to or something like that. So I remember uh, traveling to Santa Barbara with him, flying there. He used to fly little airplanes too. That's something we oh used to do together. Oh my gosh. Now that so sounds fun. It was it was great fun. Or were uh, you scared to death? <laughs> you know, he's my dad. I trusted him, and mm-hmm. he was gonna he was gonna do a great job with it. And I I never felt a moment of of um, being Fear. scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we would get in the little tiny airplanes, and I remember flying in a Cessna 182 down to Santa Barbara and checking into a hotel right on the beach. And he took me to the campus, and that was really uh, that kind of cemented for me where I wanted to go to school or college. And I ended up going and meeting my wife there and developing great friendships. And so that was a, a, a lot of fun, just he and I, and visiting some of his old buddies. He had a friend that had a restaurant right on the beach, uh, which ended up being a place I worked during college. So uh, it was a was a these are some great memories actually. Absolutely, and because of your father, he set the tone for your career and your life. <laughs> yeah, I think when it was time to figure out what I wanted to do with myself, I thought about what he did for a living, and it sure seemed like a lot of fun. Uh, some of my earliest memories were going to visit him during harvest at the winery and running around on the catwalks. He'd let me drive the forklift. He'd put me on the hand dolly and sort of cart me around uh, really fast. And so I, I really grew up around wine and wineries. It was normal for me. And when I started thinking about what I wanted to do, it, it was a very easy... Um, transition. It was an easy transition and just it seemed like an awful lot of fun. I thought about work life and what that means and how much time you spend at work. And he seemed to have so much fun doing what he did that uh, I've really honestly never done anything else uh, outside of college and high school jobs, working in lumber yards and restaurants. And uh, as, a, as a true adult, I've really never done anything but work in the wine business. Well, we're going to talk about that more in just a little bit. But you are actually a father yourself to four kiddos. That I am. Let's talk about that moment when you had your first child. Ooh. So my first child was actually my first three children. You had triplets? We had triplets. Oh my goodness. I had no idea. And they're now... Did you know that? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> if yeah. you didn't, that would have been a real surprise. We've heard some crazy stories about people that uh, uh, back before modern technology uh, were very surprised at multiples, but uh, we knew very early on that we were having multiples. And I think probably about 14 weeks, we knew there were triplets. Oh, Lordy. I remember the day vividly uh it's uh stuck in my brain because the night before my wife was set to deliver uh it was a scheduled c-section and she had gone to the point at which they said we're not going to let them sit anymore we're taking them out in the night before i'd gone to dinner with her parents near the hospital and we'd sat down and and they were sort of asking me are you ready for this are you sure you know this is going to be a big change and i was kind of sitting there saying I I don't see what the big deal is. You know, it's not going to change that much. Uh, and then when she actually delivered and the kids, you know, they were premature, so they had to go to the NICU. And I just remember being so overcome by emotion, just the whole process. And, and all of a sudden there were, there were three kids that were, that were mine and, and these little bassinets that I was very overcome by emotion. And, and uh, one of the things that really sticks with me is the day that they were released. So my wife had been home recovering and and we'd been going back and forth to the hospital and they were really, really healthy babies. So they were all between five and six pounds. I think they spent 10 days in the NICU and did great. 
but we got them out and they have to go through the whole rigmarole of checking out that you have car seats properly installed and so on. And then the nurses kind of said, and here you go. Good luck. Oh and my God. I remember them sticking, <laughs> sticking them in the minivan and we delivered in Vallejo. We live in Napa and driving down highway 29 between the two. I remember all of a sudden realizing there were five people in the car and not just my wife and I, and I think I drove about 30 miles an hour oh. down the highway and had my, my hands on 10 and two the whole way because I, I, there was like this incredible weight all of a sudden. Right, responsibility. you're responsible for all these little kiddos. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, it's been a trip ever since, really. So you had the three right away. <laughs> How old are they now? They're now 14. And then you have a fourth child. We have a fourth child, a, a beautiful surprise, yes. five years later. Yes, and so nine now. Yeah. So what does Father's Day mean to you as a father? And and what are some of the memories other than that first delivery of triplets? You know, like, I don't I don't know that I take Father's Day that seriously and it means that much to me. Uh, certainly it's a great recognition that that fathers are important, but uh, I, I have to be honest, I'm not nearly as important as important as my wife and the mother. I don't have a lot of specific memories about Father's Day. Um, I do, I find myself, I always thought it was cheesy when you would do the ties when you were at elementary school and stuff like that. Uh, And actually we're sitting here in my office and I have a Father's Day gift from my youngest, uh, which is a jar of gratitude. So a bunch of little notes that he wrote and his teacher had put in a a jar. Uh, And I I do open this up every now and then and look inside and, and see what he wrote. That's super nice. So there may not be a Father's Day ritual in the Weiss house, but there's definitely some nice memories from Father's Day past. Absolutely. When's the last time you pulled a note out? I think it was about six months ago. Do you want to pull one out <gasps> Let's right pull now? one out. What usually inspires you to pull a note out? It's usually when I'm having a bad day. And you need a little note of affirmation or something like that. Right. And I doubt you're having a bad day today. We're doing it just because we can. So this is a jar full of gratitude. Right. And the things that Jake is gratitude, things he has gratitude for are my dad. Yes. Oxygen. Very important. My friends, my mom, and my Alex. Alex is one of his really good buddies. Oh, perfect. Super sweet. Love it. And love the little container, too, with all the glitter on it. It's very colorful. We, we did this for mom one year for her birthday, where we all wrote her little notes about things we loved about her. And, and uh, uh, I can't say I, w- I did it all by myself. Uh, <laughs> it was an idea I stole from somebody else, but it, is, uh, it was very cute. A nice thought, for sure. And um, a good reminder. Things and people we should be grateful for. It's, right? it's always a good reminder to have gratitude. Absolutely. Some favorite memories with your kids? We had a great trip to Disneyland. Oh, my We've goodness. We've had a few good trips. We, we took the triplets when they were probably five, uh, and they just loved it. And then uh, actually last year I got to go uh, for work and we, we took the whole family. So the, the triplets were a little bit older and we had our youngest at that point. And I was a little concerned that as teenagers, they would oh, Disneyland, that's not that cool. But we had, a, we had a great time. We had so much fun. What did they enjoy the most or did the whole trip just blow them away? 
The whole trip blew them away because we stayed at the Disneyland Hotel, <laughs> which was really cool. And they've got water slides and great pools. And so it was almost like you couldn't go wrong. If you were done with the park for a little while, you could come back out and, and have a good time. Uh, and the, the Star Wars Land was a oh. very big hit. The, the Rise of Skywalker, that new ride, is uh, something that I, I won't forget either. Uh, we've also bonded a lot over athletics. So my wife and I were both uh, athletes as, as younger people and, and uh, me through college. And our kids have really taken to loving playing sports. And it's been so much fun to watch them grow and give them advice. And, and actually, some, some of them are so good at this point that we don't have much, much advice to really give them. <laughs> What are the sports that they're playing that they're becoming so proficient at? Are they um, playing baseball? They're playing baseball. Okay. So we have two baseball players, the youngest and one of the older, one of the triplet boys. What was really fun last year is the two older boys played football together. Mm. So that was the first time in a long time they've been on the same team together. And, and they really, really seemed to enjoy that. And uh, it, there was so much pride in watching them play together. Are and they competitive? They're they're very competitive. Mm. They're very competitive. Um, so one of the boys also plays lacrosse uh, oh, and wow. runs track and field. And then our daughter is a volleyball player, and mm -hmm. she's just a, a, a tremendous volleyball player, actually. Amazing. You're right. They play like every sport. <laughs> There's not one missing, hardly. Yeah. You know, the downside of that, of course, is our weekends are insane. Busy. Very <laughs> busy. Running them around. <laughs> you, no wonder you have no free time, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about your career. So I read somewhere you had a passing thought that you wanted to be a pilot or a firefighter. Is that true? I could see you being a firefighter. And now that I know that your father was a pilot, I could see where you might have gotten that idea too. I think I still kind of want to be a firefighter. And in fact, you, you should be a volunteer firefighter. I considered that when I first got back to the Valley. Um, and it just never materialized. But here, um, after all the wildfires we've had in the last five years, the company, Silver Oak, the ownership has said, you know, we really need um, to support ourselves when it comes to wildfires, especially in these big, huge uh, uh, wildfires we've had more recently. So they have about uh, 30 of us we've been trained and certified as wildland firefighters. So I've gotten to, to scratch that itch just a touch. Yeah, fantastic. I'm still not convinced that it would be much help. And as far as being a pilot, I've, you have time for a quick story? Sure, of course. It's kind of a funny story. So I, I at one point thought I really wanted to go to the Air Force Academy. I wanted to, to fly uh, fighter jets. You mean like Top Gun, right? Well, it, that's good. That's a good foreshadowing of how the story is going to go. Yeah. So <laughs> okay. I, in order to go to the service academies, you have a lot of work to do. You have to get a nomination from a congressperson. I went to Travis Air Force Base and did physical fitness tests. Uh, there's a lot of academic stuff that goes into it. And I'd gone through all of that and I had everything ready to go. This is back in the days when you mailed your application in and didn't, didn't submit it online because we didn't have the internet. Right. I'm that old. Oh, um, no. <laughs> And my mom said, uh, she reminded me, she said, the only thing you haven't done is write the essay. And it's you got it's got to be postmarked tomorrow. You better do it tonight. So I stayed up late. I wrote the essay. I dropped it in the mail and didn't think much of it. And probably six weeks later, I got a little uh, form letter saying, thank you for your application. We've chosen not to offer you a slot and, and so on. Shame on them. Shame on them. But there's a good reason. And my mom said, well, you're a good writer, and I think you had a good application. Like, what, what did you write the essay about? And I said, well, I, I wrote about flying with dad 
and how I, I really enjoyed uh, being up in the air and, and felt very comfortable there. And I wrote about wanting to serve my country. And, and then I wrote how ever since I saw the movie Top Gun, I really wanted to be a pilot. And she said, did you really write that? And I said, I, I did. Yeah. You know, it seemed like it was pertinent. And she said, y- you realize that Top Gun's about naval aviators, right? I said, ooh, yeah. I might have overlooked that. There might be a little bit of competition between those branches. Well, clearly I overlooked that too. <laughs> I didn't get accepted, but it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because I, I did go to UC Santa Barbara and I did meet my wife there right? in 1998 and we started dating and, and here we are still married all and this time. And you have this fantastic wine career. So let's quickly um, run down some of the jobs that you had. You were a cellar rat at Groth. You did harvest in New Zealand and at Tude. You were the assistant winemaker at Patson Hall. You became the winemaker at Antica. And then you joined the famous Silver Oak in 2014. I still have to pinch myself over that one, yes. It is a fantastic brand. Did you feel pressure when you came here? Like, gosh, I gotta, like, make sure I do everything perfect and, you know, keep those standards up and keep the ratings and, I don't know, a lot of pressure. Is there Was there pressure? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think when you say pressure, I... I I think of external forces and there wasn't that mm-hmm. there certainly was never pressure from the ownership and the right. family or my supervisor, but there was the weight of the history. And there's a lot of pride here in the fact that there's only been three people sort of at the head of production in, in our 50, 51 years now. And you're the third. And I'm the third. I got to work with my, my predecessor for three years and, and learn from him. His name was Daniel Barron. And, and actually, he was a, a big mentor and a, played a big role in my professional life as well. So there was that weight of uh, there's a lot of history here. There's a lot of success. And they've, they've made a pretty big bet on me. And so I, I need to live up to that. But I certainly never felt that pressure externally. Maybe Ray Duncan, Ray Duncan, the first time I met Ray Duncan, who unfortunately is, has uh, passed away, it was towards the end of his life and I was very new and I was still working with Daniel. So I was just kind of there and, and learning and he wanted to meet me. He was here for an event and he wanted to meet me. And um, one of his sons brought me over to him and said, you know, this is our dad. It's, it's great to, you know, we want you to meet him. And he looked up at me. He was sitting in a in a chair and looked up at me and said, uh, "So you're the new winemaker?" I said, "Yes, sir, Mr. Duncan. It's great to be here. I'm so happy to be part of the organization, and you've built a great thing here." He said, "Come here," and he sort of uh, gestured to me with his finger to to kneel down. So I, I bent over and he said, "Don't mess it up." <laughs> Except he he was a marine and didn't quite use the the those, those terms. Yeah. Did you choke? I said, "Sir, I'm certainly not. I'm going to try not <laughs> to. Right. I'm going to do my absolute best." But uh, you know, here we have such a, a fantastic team of people that are talented and engaged and and innovative and they curious. They have all sorts of ideas and and uh, we're constantly pushing the ball forward. That it's really not one person that will make or break Silver Oak. It's it's uh, there's 150 of us that all contribute to its fame. Yeah, to yeah. its fame and and success. We like to think that we're not really in the wine business. We're in the in the memorable moment business, mm-hmm. and so that that sort of permeates throughout everything we do. We try to connect with people and help people connect with one another uh, over a bottle of great wine. So what, what could be worse than that? 
nothing. They actually pay me to do this. Yeah, I know. Isn't it fantastic? That's, it's, uh, I feel like I'm stealing every time I get a paycheck. <laughs> you and the team do a, a wonderful job here at Silver Oak. Thank you so much. We're very, very proud of what we do here. Since you've come here and you're working towards 10 years, what do you think your impact has been on the brand? I think in, in concert with the investment that the family's made in vineyards and facilities, uh, I think the quality has just gone up and up and up. And that's not certainly due to me alone, but it's um, I've been able to help guide that, which has been important. Uh, I think, you know, my impact on the company in terms of um, the way that I do what I do, I think I, I like to think that I've had an impact on keeping things light. I, I take what we do very, very seriously. I do not take myself seriously at all. So uh, one of our one of our uh, values when it comes to making wine and growing grapes is that we want to have a lot of fun doing it because it's it's a lot of work, uh, especially sometimes a year. It's it's a, a ton of work. So if we're not having fun doing it, you know, what what are we here for? And so I, I do try to keep things light and, and fun and make sure that everybody's enjoying what they do. You spend so many hours at your job. If you're not enjoying it, then shame on you, right? Yeah, and, and we do. We really enjoy it here, and, and we spend a lot of time together. And there's, uh, I think, maybe one of the downsides of that is I maybe spend too much time here because I enjoy <laughs> well, it so much. Your wife might, might agree with that, right? She might. She might. <laughs> she might. But I'm sure she supports you as well. What do you think the best part of your job is? Just the variety every single day. That I never quite know what I'm going to do when I get here in the morning. I might be talking to someone like you doing a podcast. I might be blending wines. I might be looking at vineyards. Um, during harvest time, it's kind of all of the above at any given moment. Uh, so that that variety, I, th- I think what it really drew me to the wine business initially and what I enjoyed so much was that you didn't just know have to know stuff about growing grapes and making wine. You had to know how to fix a pipe and be a plumber and be an electrician and learn all these kind of different parts of what we do and, and how they all fit together. And, and some of the people I really admired were people who had that perspective and understood not just how we make wine, but how everything else within the, the, the company and the facility supports that and, and feeds into that. And who are some of those people that you've, either looked up to or continue to look up to? So, of course, my dad was Mm -hmm. a a very big influence on me and um, was initially one of the people that said, why don't you come try it out before you really dive in and and make sure you like it because it's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. Not everybody can do this or wants to do this. James Hall of Patson Hall was a very big influence on my career. I, I loved I loved and do love that man and I still get to see him. We're in tasting groups together and, and his his joy for what he does still permeates all these years later and, and uh, not to suggest that James is old. James, I apologize. And he, he taught me a lot about many different things and, and about how to create an environment where people could actually feel fulfilled and feel um, engaged. And he did that for me. He kind of, he sort of threw me into the fire and, and let me sink or swim. And uh, looking back, that was the best thing he could have done for me. Uh, there was a, a man who was a very big influencer in my career named Doug Weiser uh, in New Zealand. And Doug was a really young man. Uh, I think I was 23 and he was about 30 when I started working for him. And he had gone to New Zealand because that was the Wild West and for adventure, a new place to go explore and make wine, but very talented, very dedicated. And 
I was so green when I went there. I don't know that I learned a lot about making wine and, and philosophical points about winemaking, but the way he approached what he did and the, the, the determination really, uh, in not only making his way there, but also making sure that everything was, was, um, he was very precise and very exacting, uh, but also very supportive at the same time. He wasn't a browbeater or micromanager. He just cared so much about the quality of the product that he, I, I was working night shift and I know he'd been there since six in the morning and, and I was there at three in the morning and he was still there and he was helping me solve problems. And, uh, you know, he's, his memory is very poignant for me because he, he passed away not long after that. And, oh, wow. And young. It was, he was very young. He was 31. And uh, a bunch of us, he had such a big effect on people that many of us that had kind of run through his stead decided to start a scholarship in his name, uh, very much with the help of the winery that we worked for. And that scholarship is still going today, and and uh, every year there's somebody gets selected to go to New Zealand and work harvest at this winery, and then uh, travel afterwards throughout New Zealand, and it's it's all in memory of him. Even it's been now 18 years since he passed away. It's fantastic. Really. Yeah, it really is. And uh, I've certainly always tried to make people aware of it. And one of the this year's recipient was a person who interned for us at Ovid uh, oh. last harvest. Fantastic. Yeah. I forgot about Ovid. That's right. That's yeah. an, a more recent acquisition. That is, yeah. They they, came, they became part of the family in 2017. It's been a great addition, uh, especially because the knowledge passed back and forth from the Silver Oak, Toomey, and, and Timeless staff to Ovid has been fascinating because different approaches that, that the end goal is the same. Uh, and so the, the discussions and the ideas and the, the passing of knowledge back and forth has been a huge benefit to everybody. Top moment of your career so far, or there's probably several. I was really, really proud of our team. Uh, there was a, a few years back, um, there's a trade auction for Napa Valley called Premier Napa Valley, and there's something similar in Sonoma County called the Sonoma County Barrel Auction. And uh, there was a year that the Silver Oak Wines sort of did a clean sweep and were the highest grossing lot at both of those. I was really proud of the team that year. Uh, I, I think some of the best moments of my career have been these these cases in which I've made connections with people and, and really seen what Silver Oak means to them. Uh, I'll have to tell you quick story because this is really recent uh but a couple of weeks ago i was here at the winery and and one of the tasting room people sort of looked at me and there was something in her eyes that said you really need to come in here and and meet these people and so i walked in to meet them and they were wonderful people they were sitting down and they were doing a wine and food pairing and they were very curious about everything we did and how we did it and and what's my daily routine like and my wife actually happened to be here, so she stopped in, and there was kind of, yeah, we're, we're actually people, too, here that work in the wine business. And we just had a great conversation, and, and uh, when I asked them what they were doing here, they said, you know, it's a, it's a birthday and anniversary celebration. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, we're all close in birthdays, and there's a wedding anniversary. I said, that, that's, that's wonderful. And then uh, after they left, the tasting room person sort of pulled me aside and said, you know, they actually were here because one of those people just got diagnosed with a, a brain tumor. Oh. and it's the prognosis is he's going to he's going to be dead in a few months and so it was really it was really special to be uh oh no we're all going yeah. choked up <laughs> yeah. it was it was really special to be uh you know on somebody's literal bucket list like what right. what are we going to do with a couple months left let's go to napa let's go to silver oak so i 
I have those experiences every every now and then, and they're they're always very touching. Another really proud moment was getting to be part of a James Beard dinner at uh, James Beard's house in in Manhattan. Uh, so that was something really special. We were included with the Charlie Palmer Group um, as as sort of their wine partner for this, and it was just going going to the man's house and seeing where he lived and and knowing his history and the effect he's had on the culinary world was it was a pretty big honor and it was it was also my first time in Manhattan, so that oh, was wow. very special. Yeah, what a way to do it. I'm sure you have even more top moments, but those are some really special ones for sure. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. We're going to shift on to your personal life. You live in the town of Napa. You could have lived anywhere. How did you choose Napa? I grew up in St. Helena. So I, I love the Napa Valley. I, I still love the Napa Valley. I drive, obviously I drive a lot from right. Sonoma County to Napa. And it's it's still pretty striking to see those two mountain ranges sort of flanking you as you go up and down the valley. And it's still, the scenery is still gorgeous. And, and it, it's still, I sometimes I have to pinch myself. When we were looking for a place to live, I, when I was getting out of graduate school and starting my career, I, I thought about going other places and trying things out. Obviously, it's easier to move up the ladder in some emerging regions quicker than it is here in Napa and Sonoma. But really, the this is the North Coast is where if you want to play amongst the best of the best, uh, and no offense to any other wine regions, yeah. but there's so much talent here. There's so much focus on the wine industry. There's so much going on that it, it just seemed like the right place to be. And uh, the city of Napa was was a great place for my wife and I because we knew we wanted to start a family uh, and, and it was... Um, big enough to be feel like it wasn't just a small town uh but small enough to still feel quaint and and uh i've really grown to love the city of napa well and napa's really grown into its own right it's, it's a very different place than when i grew up uh when i was a, when i was a kid you could have gone down to first street and on a friday night about six o'clock and you probably could have shot a cannon down first street and not hit anybody uh and it's very different now do you have any hobbies do you collect anything I, I don't. I am that <laughs> You don't bored. have time for hobbies. Yeah, the, between the kids and the work, I, I stay pretty busy. Uh, I do try to maintain some level of fitness, which uh, is maybe not a hobby per se, but the older I get, the more it's, it's about staying alive for longer. Right. <laughs> uh, I, do, I love to read and I love to write. So writing, writing is a real joy when I get to do it. It's just a matter of finding the time. When you kick back and relax... What do you like to listen to? What's your music of choice? I am an equal opportunity music person. So I, I it could be just about anything uh, from classical to uh, country music um, and everything in between. I'm, I'm a child of the 90s, so a lot of 90s hip hop. My favorite Pandora station is something called Dad Rap because it's all it's all hip hop music from the '90s and it all is very familiar for me and and stuff that I grew up on. It's um, I don't take offense to it being called Dad Rap because I am a dad. Right, you are a dad. Very fitting for Father's Day, but right. uh, uh, that era of of hip hop and R and B is is something that's great. And as the kids have gotten older, we've actually found we like a lot of the same music, which has been fun. So mm-hmm. we're all. Our, our household's on a big Zach Bryan kick at the moment. I read somewhere that you spend some free time playing rugby and running. <laughs> Is that true? 
Uh, less and less these days, yeah. But rugby was something, that's what I played in college mm -hmm. and uh, for a little while afterwards. And uh, I can't say I play much anymore. I still, I love the sport. I love to watch it. Uh, we have actually a really good club team in Napa, and I've gone to a few of their games. Uh, it, but Do it's, they win? They're, they're excellent. Oh, they win a lot. Excellent. Okay. But it's a young man's game, and just watching them run around on some of these fields, it hurts my knees just just <laughs> looking at them. So I don't I don't play so much anymore. Um, and running is is uh, again something that I do just to just to keep myself alive and get that heart moving. I wouldn't say it's really a hobby, although we we have some serious runners here in our department. Okay, is there something people might be surprised to learn about you? that you haven't already shared with us. Do you rappel down mountains? Do you skydive? Did you do something crazy as a child? Oh, boy. Uh, let's not talk about my childhood. <laughs> if, you, if you really want that, you're going to have to interview my dad for uh -oh. Father's Day. But I, I think uh, I gave him a few gray hairs back in the day um, that I, uh, now as a father, I regret that to some <laughs> extent, and I hope it doesn't come around in spades. But um, I am quite adventurous. I, I do love thrills. I've been skydiving. I've been bungee jumping more than once. Oh, I, wow. I'm, I'm willing to try just about anything one time at least. Um, I love the thrill. So what's on the bucket list? The bucket list is mostly travel. Um, we have uh, something called a sabbatical program here, which is really cool. And after 10 years, you get two weeks of paid time off and they encourage you to go do something different and, and interesting and something to develop yourself. And I'm, I'm looking forward to mine next year and I hope to go to Iceland. Really? Why? I, it's, that's a good question. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so drawn to Iceland, but uh, mm. I love sort of out of the way places like that. I think the, the natural beauty really excites me and, and the adventure. Mm -hmm. I just got back from a little bit of an adventure in South America that was technically a work trip, but, but a lot of fun. Uh, my wife and I have traveled to Africa before and I, I look forward to going back there because it's such a big continent. We saw just a microscopic portion of it. So travel's mostly on your bucket list. I think seeing new places, experiencing new things, and, and um, having some adventures, yeah, definitely on my list. I do believe life's about experiences, so um, I'm one of your people, kind of. <laughs> are, well, you, are you a skydiver as well? I've never tried the skydiving. I would consider it, I think I would consider it over bungee jumping. For some reason. <laughs> so here, here was here's what I love about those sorts of adventures, and there's the, a beginning and an end. <laughs> there's a beginning and end, and at both there's a moment of terror when mm. you you have to decide: Am I going to do this or am I not going to do this? And skydiving, it's a little bit tougher because you're you're if you're a beginner, you're strapped you're to somebody else. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I do remember getting to the door of the airplane and kind of looking down and asking myself, am I going to do this? But the, I didn't really have a choice. The, right. <laughs> the person I was strapped to just like sort of pushed us both out. But bungee jumping, you have to get to the edge and you have the, the tethers around your ankles and you have to physically and consciously decide I'm going to jump off of this, whatever it is. In my case, it was bridges. And I loved that moment of, all right, am I doing this or not? I love the pushing yourself to actually decide I am going to jump off this bridge right now and trust that this is going to catch me. I'm sure it's exhilarating, but it seems terrifying to me. <laughs> it, it's both, and that's what's so fun about it, I yeah. think. 
Well, I'll leave that one to you. <laughs> We're going to wrap things up with five quick questions. They're very lighthearted. All right. You ready? Over so quick. We feel like we have so much more to talk about. Well, I'm sure we could keep going on and on, uh, but I know how busy you are. So here we go. What is your favorite movie or one of your favorite movies? My impulse is to say Caddyshack. Okay. <laughs> what kind of car do you drive? Right now, I drive a RAV4 uh, Prime, so a plug-in hybrid. All right. Who is one of your favorite actors? I love Daniel Day-Lewis. Mm. His his breadth of characters uh, and his his talent is just so palpable. Uh, he's he's been in amazing movies and been in so many different people. Uh, I just love to watch him. What's one of your favorite cities to visit? That one's easy. New Orleans. <laughs> That's a crazy town. And last question. What's your favorite cocktail? Ooh, I'm not a big spirits guy. I would say I'm pretty vanilla when it comes to cocktail. Just a, a plain old gin and tonic is just fine. And, and I'm not picky about my gins. Um, although we, we've worked with a perfumer here. And mm. it's been pretty fascinating to see him sort of... Um, show us what's different characters of, of different styles of gin with what they bring out aromatically. And, and um, it makes me want to sit down and maybe do a little taste test. There you go. Nate, fantastic to spend time with you. I wish you a happy Father's Day. I hope you have a wonderful day with your kids. And I hope you have a chance to see your father. Thank you. I, I'm certain I will do both. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.